Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Viking Wong. How you doing, my brother? Fantastic. It's another beautiful day in another Italy. Another beautiful day in paradise, oh, mate. So listen, today's episode is a bit of a surprise, actually, because today's episode, um, we had initially planned for Mr. Winston Gordon to come on, who is a three-time Olympian judo judoka from uh, uh, the UK. But then we were uh, joined by um, Paula Jala, another judoka from the UK, and then we were joined by Kerith Brown, who, um, those that know who he is, you know, is a big force in judo and also a big force in um, uh, the growth of uh, M- M- the growth of MMA from the grass- grassroots level. Um, we stuck to the topics of judo, but. Um, yeah, this is um, really, really hype for this, man. This was a really, really awesome conversation that we had. So I actually really liked the format. I mean, it was uh, more like a, a conversation flow and stories keep popping up. It almost like we don't have enough time. Oh, we, we did not have enough time. There's clear, <laughs> clearly, we did not have enough time. And there's so, much, so many other people that wanted to jump on board this conversation um, that we couldn't allow because, you know, it would just, it would just be too, too many people and it would have gone on too long. So we're definitely going to do a part two, probably even a part three. So without further ado, let's introduce, first of all, Winston Gordon, then jumps on Paula Jala in the same conversation, and then Kirith Brown. Okay, please enjoy. Um, mate, Winston Gordon and Paula Jala, you know, this is, uh, this is amazing, mate. This is like a bit of a throwback, actually. Um, man, how you guys been? Winnie, how you been, man? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, mate. Not too bad, Jude. Um, welcome, everybody. Um, yeah, I've been okay. It, you know, since the 14th of March, it's been a bit rough, you know, with the... COVID-19. I'm based in um, Germany, uh, Munich. So from here, it was kind of, yeah, it was a bit, at the beginning, I didn't really think anything of it, really, you know, it was like a, it was like a creeper. Yeah. Um, And then the first week, I thought, okay, it was all right. Second week, yeah, all right. And then third, fourth week, hit in. And I'm here alone, you know, in my like, small apartment. Yeah. I haven't got no access to garden or anything. And I just thought, oh God. nah, I, it, it, you know, I need to... At the time, out, you can go to the supermarket and come back home, but you couldn't really, you know, you can't be out. Okay, yeah. going jogging, you know, every other day, keeping fit in the house. But, you know, how much of that you can do, really, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, that fourth week, I thought, you know, my parent my dad's back at home and I just thought you know what nah I need to go back and you know engross the family you know and the fifth week just just after I think it was Easter I just thought you know what I'm just gonna take a flight and fly back to the UK and spend time with my family Mm. you know because that's what I think that's what I needed you know that breath of fresh air and um, went back saw you know saw my family was spending with my dad to like for three three weeks and then um, there, of course, I was in quarantine again. Yeah. But I had a little bit more, had a little bit more freedom. freedom. <laughs> yeah, I had a little bit more freedom, breathing space, saw some friends and whatnot a little bit. And then, um, yeah, came back two weeks ago, back to Munich, where it was more, it started to open up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you yeah. have to quarantine? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right. okay. yeah. So I had to quarantine. I just came out of quarantine last week, Thursday. Oui. So um, back to back to work. Back to work. Back to work. Yeah. yeah. What's about you, Paul? How you been, man? 
I've been good, you know. I've been quite enjoying the quarantine, to be honest. But yeah. luckily, <laughs> we've got a garden. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, missing judo, obviously. Um, yeah. Missing the interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I keep seeing these daft videos everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're, he we're healthy. That's all. That's the main thing, isn't it? No, yeah, absolutely. And again, a lot to catch up on, Paul. You can see, you can see a lot of things on, you know, on the net. You know. Mm, mm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Winnie, man, um, mate, yeah. um, how long have I known you now, man? Come on, let's go. Let's go back. Yeah. You're yeah. South, South London boy. Yeah. How did you start judo? I started judo when I was 12 um, at Ernest Bevan School in Tooting, Tooting Beck. Mm. Um, didn't really, it wasn't really, I was playing many sports, you know, I was doing that. Ernest Bevan School had a wide range of sports, rugby, football, lacrosse, um, hockey, tennis. Um, and I was more, I was more into the, like the football side of things, you know, yeah. and then, um, my first year, and I used to hang around with like two boys. And then one Friday after school, um, not after school, actually, sorry, let me pull back there, as there was assembly. Mm. And um, there was, it was all boys school, you know, and um, there was a teacher, a P teacher, her name was Margaret Hicks. Yeah. And then she, um, she came and demonstrated judo and then she came and demonstrated one of the holds, Kesagatami. Yeah. So, um, she called out one of the boys to like, who, who, who would like to get hold down and try and escape? And one boy came out and um, got held down and he couldn't get out. The whole assembly was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, no man. And then uh, she goes, who's next, who's next? And I said, and I put my hand up, yeah, me, 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 me. Then I came out and then she hold me down. I tried to escape, couldn't escape. And then, um, yeah. And then after school, what? Those things. The next day after the school, me and two boys, we always used to meet after school together. Yeah. And then this Friday, they weren't there. So I'm thinking, where are these boys? You know, waiting, waiting, waiting. Then I, I cut home. So the Monday, Monday came now, and I was like, boys, where are you? Where were you on Friday? Where are you on Friday? Oh, we went judo. With a hot man. It's me with a hot man. Yeah, yeah, we're going tonight. We're going tonight. I'm coming. I said, I'm coming. I'm coming. So, um, and you know, old boys school, your first year and, you know, female teacher, you're like, ooh, ooh, you know, a bit dumb. Yeah. And um, yeah, then ended up going to judo <clears throat> and practicing, doing a few throws and whatnot. And yeah, it just kind of, it gripped me from, it gripped me from there, you know. Yeah. But, hey, yeah. Winston, at that time, I recall, when, I recall Ernest Bevin had an amazing uh, number of judoka. Mm. I mean, there was you and uh, Bonty, Eric was yeah. around, wasn't oh, he? Oh, Eric, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, who was the tall, the tall white guy again? Keith, um, Keith Davis. Keith Davis. Yeah, Jun I mean, uh, Junior that, Morrison. Yes, that yeah. was an amazing, amazingly strong group of people. Yeah, yeah. Nathan, Nathan, I've got his second name, Nathan something. But, you know, I think um, in in that stage, they were like, like British school champions, mm. you know, British team members. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was like, judo was like maybe three, four times a day. And it was lunchtime sessions. Wow. Back then there were lunchtime sessions, yeah. after school sessions, morning sessions as well. So, um, 
yeah, at that time I, I was doing them. I was doing you know couple sessions, but as well as I was playing football as well. Yeah, and I was playing lacrosse as well, and I was playing rugby as well. <laughs> you know, and I was in like all teams. You yeah. know, and um, went for trials for South London football, and um, yeah, I didn't. Well, I got into the South London team, and then I went for trials for like Millwall, and. Um, yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't get selected, you know? Mm. I didn't get selected. I didn't get picked, sorry, selected. I didn't get picked. And then um, I was timbling with lacrosse and rugby. And, you know, there's one time Margaret just said, no, you're coming judo. Wow. Yeah. Good decision. Said, yeah. Huh? Good decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. She just grabbed me and said, you're coming judo. And I said, hmm? And then, yeah, that was the turning point. That was a turning point for me. And then I kind of joined that elite group what Paul was talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were much older than me. So I kind of learned faster mm-hmm. with these boys, you know, yeah. my gripping. We was like, we was gripping these days. We were gripping for like one hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah. Just gripping, just yeah. gripping. Just yeah. kumikata, just gripping for one yeah. hour. It's quite, it's quite funny because that is something that I picked up from you when I used to go down to Budokai and I mm. still like I still push it for the guys in jiu-jitsu you know you just grip fight grip fight grip fight but it's funny like how how you find like a lot of students don't like it it's, it's yeah but it's like dude you, your match starts from grip fighting no matter yeah. what end up or on the floor it doesn't matter you start from the grip you know what I mean mm. gi or no gi you start from yeah. the grip and it's uh, it's one of the things that just um yeah just always try to push 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 yeah. so yeah mm. it's amazing yeah yeah carry yeah. on man. carry on carry on talking about the budokai winston can you mm. remember that time when um you and i had a mock you and i had a mock contest yeah I mean, you must have only been about 15 i was much older yeah, and you yeah. caught me with that lucky foot sweep. Foot sweep, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> no, 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 pull, pull. Don't get it, don't get it wrong. Not, not lucky. It was, it was, you know. <laughs> it was. That's when I realised. I thought, yeah, this boy's gonna be all right. <laughs> <laughs> because, oh, you was a hard bugger to throw, though. You was hard. You was hard to. Yeah, well, I wasn't too pleased that. at the time. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Paul, Paul's still small, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he he was basically physically abusing me. Well, I wouldn't say that, Paul. I don't I wouldn't say that, but hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll take that, though. I'll take that, Paul. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take I think the foot sweep was... Uh, I remember one time Gordon came down to, to King's when I was still there, and uh, you spent, like, about an hour or two just teaching mm. me the foot sweep it was just me and you and then man i use this till this day it was the mm. advancing foot sweep so it was a lot about timing where they step yeah. forward Correct. backwards mm. and i i just use that the entire of my career mm. oh, <laughs> it's just foot sweep yeah yeah, yeah that's <laughs> for me you know it, that's what it's, i say that's what it's not it's not all about it's for major techniques but i think if you've got that in your armor the foot sweep mm. techniques. Mm. I'm sorry, it's a, it's, it's a, <laughs> a nice. When it's done, who, who knows? I mean, you know, Judy. Yeah. You know, when it's done properly, when it's done on timing, beautiful, beautiful. You know, it's unbelievable. It, it, it's like you you want to cringe. You know, you want to cringe in yourself. Yeah. And um, as as you said, timing. Timing is the most the most important. And um, a lot of people don't really 
use it to their advantage. You know, they expect the the big uh, the big big techniques they work. Yeah. You know, but you know it's the the fundamentals of the the foot, the ashivas, the ouchis. Mm. You know, the opening mm. techniques to prepare for the the big one. You know, exactly. and um, some people well, some people they what's the word for it? Um, neglect. Yeah, neglect that. You know, especially uh, now when when you can't grab the leg. You know, yeah, yeah, should be doing yeah. It more all the time. Mm. Yeah, how did, yeah. How, how did that rule change? Like, um, because I know, um, you know, the, the, the common perception is that that rule change was to preserve the Japanese um way of, of doing judo and to kind of eliminate more the wrestling moves and stuff like that with regards to the grabbing of the legs, so the single and double legs that we use in jiu-jitsu and wrestling and stuff were, mm. were taken out in judo. Now, do you guys think that it was a you know a positive thing or a negative thing with regards to you know how um, how the sport develops? Um, I think in the beginning, because I used to leg grab as well, you know, mm. so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I used to catch a few people in the, with the legs as well, but you know, with anything, you've got to learn how to adapt. Yeah, you know, and I think that's mm -hmm. the most important. The more quicker you adapt, the more easy it will will be. At the beginning, it was like a bit frustrating, but mm. you know, once it, it came in, it was more okay, a little bit more. I said, more you had to be precise with your techniques, a bit more yeah. dynamic, a bit more um, opening mindset. You had to work on different things to, to open up your partner, yeah, you know, and um, yeah, it they say, yeah, it emulates from the Japanese, but I think. For everybody, it was maybe one of the good things which, hmm. which happened in judo. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what what year was that? Guys, remember? That was after was Athens. Athens was Grabs. I think it was Be Beijing. Before two thousand, eight. Yeah, yeah. My team. I think around about then. I think around about okay. before then. Okay. It came into play. I think, oh. or was it after? Maybe after. It's been a long time. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been so, a long time. So tell us yeah. about what do you what do you guys think about like you know like the current state of um, and I hate using the word state because it actually puts a negative point in it. But the the current setup of British judo. What do you guys think of it like currently now? Paul, you want to go first? Or? Oh. <laughs> yeah. well, ob obviously. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, from the outside looking in, obviously the boys, uh, sorry, the girls are doing very well, clearly. Yeah. Um, but what I can't understand is, um, what I don't know is, uh, who are the boys doing randori with? I'm assuming the girls have the boys to do randori with. Right, and because obviously tough ran hard randori is very important, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure who the boys are doing randori with regularly, yeah. Yeah. and that might be a factor. Mm. Um, but you know, we've got Ashley, a couple of others. I, I, I think it's um, it's tough out there now. Um, mm. yeah, I think it's down to um, randori. The girls mm -hmm. have the boys, but I'm not sure who the boys have. Yeah, I, I could be corrected on that. Mm. Yeah. From um. I'm on the outside, like Paul. Um, I'm the outside looking in. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's Paul's right. I think it's the quality of randori they're, they're having. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, I'd say maybe the volume. I mean, <clears throat> you know, training with every. I think they've got the, the. I think they've got a small group in Warsaw, and um, they have to allocate themselves or travel to Camberley, um, Wales, uh, Cardiff. I think to do randories, they have to travel to different clubs to to get yeah. the randories. Yeah, and I think it's a. I don't know if it's a combination of what they need to, what they are doing, or what they what they need to do is try to, you know, get more involved with the different clubs on the outskirts and try to bring everybody. Maybe they're doing it into to one place. I mean, I mean, just for instance, for here in Germany, mm-hmm. you know, our target is to do at least. 60, 70 randories the week. Okay. okay. That's the week. How, how long is each randori session? Um, it's like two, two hours, two and a half hours, like that. Wow. You know? Yeah. Two That's hours. a lot. Yeah. You know, prior to, you know, prior to that, <clears throat> prior to that, just say for my group personally, for the under-21s, what we do, we do before the randori, we do one hour's technique. Yeah. Mm. You know, one hour's technique. And then from that one hour's technique, they go straight into the main randori session. Yeah. You know, 15 minutes warm up and then randori the whole the whole time. Yeah. And okay, here where I am, you've got you've got different, you know, there's not much heavy weights, yeah. but the from 60 to 90 mm-hmm. or 81, 90. You've got a good volume of guys between um, boys and girls. You've got about, on a good week, you've got maybe 60, 70 people on the mat. Yeah. You know, equivalent to, I don't know about Warsaw, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, they've got that, that volume, you know? So, and sometimes, yeah, it, yeah it's, um, sometimes not the the quantity is about the quality, you know. But we've got the quality here. I think, you Paul, know, so. Paul, I think Paul's frozen. His screen is broken. The quality of yeah. Quick commercial break. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> no. So yeah. So yeah. Just, it's one of the things that I think in in, in jujitsu is like um, uh, yeah. You know, randor is grip fighting. Randor is so 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 important um, because mm. it's the only way that I think you get to kind of like immediately test. This, what you just learned like on on the map and yeah you know, I, I just do think that s- certain sports are broken up into like uh practical application sports like judo like jiu-jitsu i think judo and jiu-jitsu and wrestling are kind of similar in that yeah you know, they you you have a safe environment to to try it out try it, yeah i'm yeah, like yeah. boxing or tie boxing you learn something and you get whack of an elbow in the face and you're like you know mm-hmm. that type that type of pain is very different yeah whereas you have multiple um times to to fail at, at, you know, in grappling, you have grappling. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can, fail, and then you, like, but you still you improve each step. Okay, they don't work the first time. I try it again. Again, Works again. Time, try again. Try again, yeah. and then you know, bing, you get it, and then and you get it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so um, really. yeah, as they say, if you don't succeed, try, try, try again. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> 
that old chestnut. So listen, do, you know, do do you think um, it's it's actually one of the questions actually before Paul kind of disappeared, but mm. it's one of the questions I want, want to ask about British judo. You know, do you think they should encourage more kind of like cross training in between, like you know, um, uh, the the British judo athletes going and training jiu jitsu, training wrestling, yeah, and stuff definitely. like that to, to, to kind of improve. For me personally. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. For me personally, mm -hmm. it came it came to me a little bit too, uh, sort of like the ending, not the ending of my career, but the ending I started to get, I started to love the, the, the BJJ, you know? Yeah. And um, for me, that's where I, I, I didn't used to, I didn't used to, I'm not going to lie, I used to hate it. Because <laughs> I was just used to do, I think about strike, yeah, boom, yeah, you know, you. Yeah. <laughs> but then after that, you think, no, you need to have two or three things on the ground, you know? Yeah. And then for me, once I started, my thought process was the way we do Tachi Waza is the way I have to think in the near Waza to yeah. try and hunt for the score, try and hunt for the score. Yeah, 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 and that's yeah. the way I kind of, you know, changed my mentality of, you know, liking, you know, the BJJ, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So every time I went on the mat, right, how am I going to, okay, I need to hunt. I need to try and get the upon, you know? Mm. And, and and that's what I just kept on doing, just kept on grafting, 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 grafting. And, you know, and, and I think it's it's the best thing anyone can. I take my boys to jiu-jitsu. Yeah, you said, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I take yeah. the guys to jiu-jitsu. And I think yeah. it's, and both can complement from each other. Oh, Kerith. Kerith is <laughs> going to turn us. Oh, yeah, I do think <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me admit it. Let me say it. <laughs> this is so funny, actually. Kerith, can you hear us? Hello. How you I doing, my friend? Sorry. You're right. I'm good, man. Sorry. Yeah. We, we are talking judo here, man. We are talking judo. We're not talking so, so, MMA, nothing else. So sorry, <laughs> man. So I just, I just saw this weird invitation come on Messenger because I've been on locked on about 10 different platforms so i do apologize i only just spotted it so mate i didn't even expect uh, you to be coming on because it was it was actually no, I did, I... winnie winnie sent yeah. it out yeah 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 i'm there for winnie i'm Drops from where I live, so all right, all right, man. Apologize. Don't worry, well, we try to keep you on you as, as you long as you can. You don't want to see my face anyway, man. You don't want to see my face anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Winnie, how you doing, man? I'm okay, Kerry. I'm, I'm here, man. I'm here, I'm here, you know. I'm good, just to still looking yeah. handsome, man. Kerry, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Kerry, forgot. Yeah, you got me there. You got me there. You got me there. Kerry, it's grafting, man. It's grafting. It's grafting. Yeah, I don't like grafting, man. I want to look like you, Kerry. I want to look like you. You're my idol, so I want to look like you when I'm your age. I know, I know. It looks like it's like a young Wesley Snipes, isn't it? Yeah. When you play, when you play Nino Brown. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Uh, so listen, so Kerith and Winnie, man. So listen, yeah. who, do, who do you think, what nation do you think has got the most exciting judo to watch right now? Poor. Like, well, it's, not, it's not us. <laughs> um, to watch right now, I think you're looking at the Japanese. I think they're, they're on the Japanese, the Asian, the Asian, Japanese, Korean from Europe. I think they're... The Russians, the Russians are, you know, 
churning it out as well. Um, but I think at the, at the moment, it's the Japanese are they're full steam ahead. Full steam ahead. Just talking, um, so Kareth, you just missed the conversation because we were just talking about Niwaza and like how how important it is. Um, Winston was explaining how important it is because I, and it's quite funny because I think like almost 10, 15 years ago, you know, there was kind of a little kind of backlash with regards to jiu-jitsu and Niwaza and, and judo and stuff like that. And then I looked at the recent uh, Dusseldorf, um, was it Grand Slam? That was like yeah. back in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, mate, this is like a jiu-jitsu competition, man. Awesome. Yeah, I'm surprised you, you're saying that. I mean, I'm, I'm more of an outsider now, so I don't get the opportunity to try and, and stay up to date unless I speak to uh, Winnie or Fitzroy, who are obviously currently mm. involved at the top. And, you know, sometimes there's a misconception in terms of where judo is that we don't do any groundwork. We've always done groundwork at, mm. the, at a very high level. Yeah. It's just the, it's just the timing of of uh, of the match and and what the the referees will allow. I mean, obviously, with the new initiatives, uh, with the rule sets, you've got to be a little bit more quicker in transition to to nail the move. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So uh, I, I was a bit more what I see from from my uh, experience. You've got to be a little bit more prescribed in 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 execution. So it's a little bit more direct as opposed with jiu-jitsu you've got a bit more time mm. as in playing a game of chess you know what i mean you, you've got time to make the move you know you, you're not on a timer like in chess you can have a timer and you've got a speed move so mm. it changes the dynamics slightly mm. so but they are uh, given, you know, the, yeah but they are given a bit more time as Kerry saying they are given a bit more time if you're making progress if you're just if there's no progress there then they'll call mate but if there's progress yeah. and they can see things working if you just continue working then they'll give you allow you more time to to execute what you when you want to execute so yeah and, and that comes down to the experience of the referee in terms of their knowledge of ground mm, yeah you know, really, you know what i mean that that, that 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 debate's always been there is that if a referee doesn't understand the intricates of you know the set play in terms of transition then you know it's matter breaking back up to your feet which is you know where you know they, they try and push or pushing the sport is to be more dynamic upstairs. And Paul was saying that um, that you know the the UK um, British female judo is because they've got a lot more um, better randori than than the men is. It might be an example of the reason why they're kind of a lot more advanced. You know, so who's who's your guys like number one pick female um, great British judo player currently? Or who do you see is in the future that's going to be like you know number one? Oh, impartial. <laughs> impartial uh, carefully, uh, care, carefully answer that, Willie. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, carefully answer that, Willie. <laughs> for the, you mean for the next games or for the? For the next for the next games. Depending on injury, you've got to. I'd say, for me, I'd say Nakoda. Um, I think just through, and if she can keep herself in, which she she is, I think she's a formidable athlete. She, I think she can pull something off again. I think um, Sally, 
Mm-hmm. Conway. Um, and you've got, yeah, you've got the outsiders. I mean, you've got Natalie Powell. She's she's capable of, you know, turning up on the day. Um, yeah, but I think for me on a, on their on their good days, I think them two, Nakoda, and I think Sally can can well, you know, do something. The, re- the reason why I asked that is that um, yesterday we were talking to Drew, um, uh, Drew Sullivan, who represented uh, the UK at the 2012 Olympics. As he was a captain of the basketball team. Mm. And um, he was talking about his Olympic experience. You know, Lewini, you've done three. Mm. You know, <laughs> three. Yeah. And so most people, uh, you know, most people in their lifetime wouldn't even do none, much less mm. three. You know, yeah. and Drew, Drew did one. And he was saying, like, you know, for him it was... You know, although they didn't get the results that they wanted, but mm. the experience alone and stuff like that representing your country is just, you know, it, it can't be expressed enough. And he was saying that yeah. um, uh, a lot of the time when people are within their sports, they don't have that conversation or they don't have that person to say, well, listen, man, you need to get to the Olympics. You need to do this, yeah. and that drive, that drive, that drive, you know. So mm. tell me, man, how, how from, from, from one to three, how's the Olympics <laughs> for you, man? No, for me, just, yeah, this is a, just for an me, best, For me, it's uh, formidable, formidable. I think it all kind of kicks off from when you get your gear, when you get the, the Olympic gear. Mm. You know, you go you go to the Adidas place of the GB setup, you get your gear and then you go, then you think, I'm there, I'm, I'm on the way, you know? Yeah. I think for me, Athens, Athens, not only just because of the result, but yeah, not because it was my first, you know, but... Yeah. I think Athens, where you know, where it was, became first and foremost. It was the one of the best, best experience of you know the whole the whole from start to finish. Yeah, okay, the result didn't go my way, but you know the athletes' village, the um, you know the canteens, the the people. Just you know, you're walking. You you know, you're walking around. You see Holyfield. Raw. You see you, you, raw. You know, yeah. My heads are just turning left, right. You know, I'm just like <laughs> You know, just in raw. I remember I used to see him on TV. Oh, raw, 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 you know, yeah. it's hype. You know, it's hype. But it's unbelievable, unbelievable experience. You know, food 24 seven, 24 seven. You know, it's um, yeah, and you know the actual experience walking onto the mat. You know, it's you know, you, you you say butterflies, but once you're out there, once the referee says to Jimmy, then all that, you know, mm. just just goes and you just focus on the person in front of you. Yeah. Um, hey, Wynne, how, how did you feel after in 2000, in London, London 2012, wasn't 12, it? 12, yeah. Mm. How did you feel about the throw of the tournament? Your, your old rumour, was it? Yeah. I mean, that was to be yeah. an amazing throw. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to be home at the first one, um, so for the first, you know, with all your family, friends, you know, and it, it was, yeah, it was electrifying. The whole place just, you know, just wilded out, mate. Just wilded out. It was, I was buzzing, you know, I was buzzing. I've never had that, I've had that feeling, but okay, I had that feeling maybe the Commonwealth Championships winning the final, but... Mm. um 
there alone, you know, with my family there and everyone there and doing that throw and, you know, that's one of my renowned throws anyway, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. and to do it on a, on that high, high level, yeah. you know, just, um, just what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that practice, all that, all that, yeah, all that practicing, for, you know, how many hours to, you know, to get that to perfection and to do it on the world stage. Yeah. You know, you can't, I don't think you can really get better than that really, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, China, Beijing was okay. I had troubles getting out of cross, I had my cross ligament torn. Um, but, you know, I managed to, to go there and I lost, lost my first fight to the Uzbek. Um, was close, but yeah, it was um, a bit unfortunate. I'm not going to make any excuses, you know, put myself on the line. You know, I've done what I did and, um, you know, um, yeah, it happened. But, you know, it, and just, just China in, it was, it was okay, but it, yeah, it just, many things happened. Many things happened with the, you know, the team and stuff. And, you know, we, we were, was in Macau first and from Macau we had to, we from wow. the village, like, one day before was fighting, so we wasn't there at the oh, beginning. Wow. Yeah, you know, so everybody was staggered, started, and yeah, it was yeah, it was a bit strange, a bit bit weird. So we couldn't like, for instance, Craig was fighting. We weren't. We, we saw Craig on the screen. Yeah, he wasn't actually there to you know cheer him mm. on. And slowly, slowly, you know, everybody kind of flipped over, and yeah, it just was. It was. Yeah, just a bit weird because no, we wasn't, a, you know, a team. We was a team in spirit, but, you know, in hindsight, wasn't really, you know, everybody was just on their, on their ones. Yeah. <laughs> everybody was just on their ones, which, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, was strange, was strange, was strange. And, yeah, but, you know, it is what it was, but... You know, I mean, for for the others was um, yeah was an experience that you can't you you know you'll never you'll never forget you know so yeah as you said some people only managed to do one I was fortunate to do three and not saying the three was easy you know the three was you know we had to qualify you know yeah we had to qualify for it and um, you know two thousand and two thousand and four was me and Peter Cousins. Mm. We battled right to the end to, to get there. Um, to, and in 2008, it was me and Peter again. And then Pete, I beat Peter and then Peter went up to 100. He ended up winning silver in the world championships, you know? So, you know, it was, you know, even though we was rivals, but it was amazing for him to, you know, to go up and, he was the last person to win, you know, a world, world medal. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of the men, out of the men, out of yeah, the men. Yeah, yeah. yeah out, of the, out of the men. So, but, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, London. London was a strange one. I, was, I wasn't I was selected originally. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, a bit of a kerfuffle. And then I got reinstated. What? And then, you know what happened happened you know and you know what, the uh, fish's head huh the fish's head 
Hi, Paul. I'm good, man. Apologies for not saying hello to the rest of you guys. No, sorry. Hey, Kenneth, why do you not switch yeah. your video on? I can't see you. Okay, if I switch my video on, in my uh, where I live, it's uh, my band width is very slow, so uh, oh, I, I can't see. get on. Oh, it'll just okay. drop out, so. As I said, it's no point seeing my face anyway. I'm not that good looking anymore. It's a pleasure. But uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, really. I stopped you in free fall there. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. It's okay. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then that was it, really. You know, it just, yeah, the rest was history. <clears throat> nice, nice. So, who's, mm. your, who's your favorite uh, male judoka at the moment? Poor Jesus. <laughs> At the moment, watching poor Una. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's Sick. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's naughty. He's naughty. He's dangerous. Uh, he's, uh. Yeah, he's he's on another level. He's something. He's something different. You know, he's, he's you know technical, power, explosive. Yeah, he's he's got the full. You can. Throw the kitchen sink at him. He's got everything. <clears throat> he's got everything. He's got everything. He's got everything. You can't. Yeah. At the moment, he's un. He's untouched, and I can't see anybody <clears throat> beating him. Can't see anybody beating him at this yeah, present he's, moment. He's, in time. He's, he's so calm as well, man. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, so so calm. Yeah. So I think. For for yeah, the num the, the the number one I think is yeah is Ono nice. at the moment, you know. So tell, tell me about your coaching role currently out in Germany, man. What brought you to this point and uh you know and yeah. Um <clears throat> funny enough, um I was um I was fighting for a Bundesliga team here mm -hmm. in Munich called Grossharden. And I was fighting them for them for like ten years. And um yeah, after after London, um, I was working at Ernest Bevin with the Greenhouse uh, Greenhouse Project, um, teaching judo as the head coach. Just just, just quickly, because I, I think um, <coughs> um, I think a lot of people don't understand about like how it works as regards to you know you're a judoka, but you've gone to Germany and fight for a different team. So explain to me how how, how that works. Basically, you're on the, the world circuit, European circuit, and um, a club. It's like yeah, the Bundesliga. It's like a, a club finds interesting in you and says, oh, "I want you to pick. I want you to come to my club. We'll pay you a small fee. Um, you have you have maybe like ten fights throughout the year. Mm -hmm. They pay for your flight, uh, accommodation, hotel, and depending on winning and losing." You know, you get a you get a base base fee. Okay. Um. So they kind of picked me out. Um. From I was I was fighting that I was fighting in another team, mm -hmm. and I was I was fighting against them. Yeah. And then I beat their boy, and then most of my mates were in that team. You had like Sergei Schwanden, Eric Zavi, all sort of like world European champions, and they're like. We need come to our team, come to our team. And I'm like, nah, bruv, nah, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. They're like, come to our team. Yeah. And then, long story short, they called me up, we want you to join our team. So I says, okay, cool. And then, yeah, ended up joining their team. And um, yeah, fought for them for 10 years, won a few, few titles with them. 
And then, yeah, after London, um, I had a phone call and they said, yeah, we want you to come as a coach for, 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 for Germany national, well, part of the national setup. I said, now I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm happy here <laughs> in London. I'm happy here in London doing my thing, working for this charity, um, with the school, with, you know, up with disadvantaged kids, you know, taking them yeah. from giving them from nothing, giving them judo gi, you know, building them up, trying to get them onto into the British schools and whatnot, whatnot. And, um, you know, two months later, I got an email, we want you to come. And I'm like, nah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. I'm cool. I'm all right. Two months later, they contacted me again. But I didn't tell anybody anything. I just kept to myself. I didn't say anything. And then two months later, again, they contacted me again. And I thought, oh, God. Then, where'd you go? I spoke to my first ever coach, and it was Margaret Hicks. And I asked yeah. her, what do you think? And she's like, Winnie, go. What's GB offering you? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know. So no. And then thing at the time, um, Kerif spoke to me Kerif as, Kerif as well. And um, Kerif's like, yeah, Winnie, it's a good thing as well. I think if you go, go get your experience, you know, and then come back, maybe come back some years later yeah. as into the British system as, yeah. you know, because not many people have done what, I, what I've done, you know? Yeah. And um, well, that's why it's, it was, that's the whole point of the setup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was a kind of thing like, I don't really want to go. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to, you know, mm. but, you know, I just two feet jumped in and, and just done it. And um, yeah, I don't, and I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all, you know? Right move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, Kerry, yeah. You're right, Kerry. You're part of it. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Great, you're great, right. great move. <laughs> you're right. So, so how's the squad, how's the squad uh, and over you, there? And you, uh... Go on. Winnie, has, so how's the squad over there currently? You know, what's the setup like that over, over there? Um, yeah, well, we've got like eight national... Eight national setups, um, national um, centres. Um, I think going to be whittled down a bit because of the <clears throat> the funding and stuff. But um, where I'm at the one of the main centres, um, which is Munich. You got Munich, Cologne. Um, there was Leipzig, was Berlin, um, Hanover. Um, Hanover, whatever one is there. There's one new one, Potsdam's come into it. Um, there was there was Frankfurt Oder. Um, unfortunately, that's that's shut down now. So there's few. So basically, you know, most of the national team at this moment in time now, most of the national athletes must go to one of their centres. Yeah. To be a part of the national team. So at the moment, our center in Munich is the has the most most of the, on the national team from cadets to seniors. So we've got, and that's boys and girls. We've got 40, 40 of the national team, mm -hmm. um, and half of the team at our our center. 
Okay, that's nice, man. That's nice. Kerith and Paul, so what is it about British judo that doesn't kind of like have these type of setups in such a vast, vast way? I'll let Paul go first. Kerith's a politician, man. He's just like, no. It's a good question. I think Wynne touched on it before. We've got this centralization, mm. which is fine when the standard's really high and there's lots of players attending it. But, you know, you've got to bring in the other coaches that feed the players into that center. And the center's got to be functional. It's, it's got to be good. It's got to, it's got to be fit for purpose. You know, people, young people, you know, have to have a good education alongside the judo. Yeah, I think I suspect the German model maybe does that. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, <coughs> with regards to our setup, it's just I just sense it's a little disjointed. I mean, I don't know. It's difficult. But we had the the national centre at uh, where was it? Dartford. Mm. Now it's yeah. Warsaw. Um, we just see how it goes after this next Olympics. I'm just uh, I'm hoping Ashley sneaks a medal. He's been unlucky. Because um, you know, I see unlucky. He's always happened to have fought the very, the, you know, the top seeds in each Olympics he's been to, mm -hmm. um, because he hasn't been seeded himself. But I'm hoping, you know, with a bit of luck, he could sneak a medal. And um, and then after, mm -hmm. you know, after these games in Tokyo, hopefully we'll have a rethink about you know supporting places like Cambly and the likes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that much about it, but I suspect we need a bit more togetherness, to be honest, between the mm. coaches. Because one of, one of the things that I that highlighted to me and is that uh, and really kind of irks me is the fact that within jiu-jitsu, you know, we've got to go out and you know build our own academies, buy our own mats, and we don't actually have any funding outside of it, whereas whereas judo has. So there's a place down here called, it's a school called Thomas Tallis, which is not too mm. far from where I am, just in, in Greenwich and Blackheath. But it's where the Japanese squad were training for the 2012 Olympics. Massive, yeah. beautiful mat area. <clears throat> it's like the, the, because it's the council that, that's looking after it now and stuff like that since the, since the Olympics, mm. it's treated like a piece of crap, honestly. Mm. It's like, <laughs> but it's an amazing mat space. What I mean, it's mm. like, it's, it's the Buddha Kwai, I don't know, about six times, seven mm. times over, just really, really big, you mm -hmm. know? So, and then you've got people running on for shoes and stuff like that. And then mm. there's a, a, friend, a friend of mine, a friend of mine that teaches uh, kids jiu-jitsu, kids jiu-jitsu there. And, but because of the politics, they can't get more times, they can't take it over mm. and stuff like that. But, you know, I think like, any anybody would want that mat space you know but it's mm. a common theme that seems to run along kind of like um i think probably called probably caused by the miseducation of people um that have been taken over and looked looked after these spots you know they don't understand the importance of actually listen you've got a, a, a mat space here is actually <coughs> iconic you know mm. get somebody with the experience to look after it get somebody experience to run it and then from that point onwards then you know you can have judo it's a it's a massive mat area in a school <coughs> in itself yeah and, yeah, and they don't have judo in the school here's the problem Here, here's the problem good coaches here's the problem get, get to the root of the problem you need good coaches and if you don't mm -hmm. produce good coaches, 
Um, you're not going to produce good players. It's as simple mm. as that. And you, you will know from your experience in jiu-jitsu, mm. you know, if you're a good coach and you've got good students around you, you can produce. Now, the problem with, with British judo is, is that, you know, we've had fragmented programs over the years. We've never bought into anything that anybody's kind of uh, tried to sustain. You know, we've had Dartford, we've had, we have Warsaw. Uh, you know, I was involved with the Warsaw setup, but you know, the, the, the problem is unless we produce good coaches and we have the depth like Japan, we're never going to get the same consistency. And without those bodies, you're never going to get the cream rising to the top. So this fragmented approach on, you know, you go back to each, you know, you go back 20, 30 years ago where each club's strong, you know, 20, 30 uh, plus um, you know, players that are in that system that bought each other on. And that's, that's, you know, evaporated. You know, mm. I mean, we have very few good clubs now. You know, if you look at the, the British judo system now, you're talking about maybe less than 10, what I call, clubs that will produce high athletes to meet the requirements of the national level to the international level. Mm. We've completely obliterated the, what we call the, the competition structure in the UK and are adopted for a, a, a European circuit in order to meet the requirements of the international circuit to basically get yourself on the point so right. if you get on the on the ladder that supersedes the national system french don't do that if you're not the number one you don't go anywhere same mm -hmm. with japan if you're not the number one you don't go anywhere and i'm, I'm pretty much sure it's the same in, in germany you've got mm -hmm. a system there that says if you don't produce in your own country why should i allow you to dictate where i or where the system goes and that's mm -hmm. that's just a short a short snippet of where it, where it goes but you know when, when you look at the coaches that the uk have we don't have the right coaches to deliver we have a few coaches mm -hmm. but you know like like i said if you look at winnie where he is now i said you know when you look at winnie going out there gaining that experience with a an internet with a national team of that level you know that's the experience that we're looking at these uh, the next generation we don't want a generation where athletes come out and then they're given the top spot without any experience coming from the base. How can mm. you do that? You know what I mean? You, you've got to experience growing from grassroots, going through mm. that program. And then, you know, when you come to the top end, we all know that top athletes, not all top athletes will make good coaches. That's a fact yeah. in, in most sports. And you've got to learn that and earn your stripes. And if you don't earn your stripes, why would you be given that position? And, and we've seemed to do that in British judo where we've kind of missed you know, we were um, sort of looking after that. And I'm, you know, I'll be part of that process. I'm as guilty as the next chairman in making sure that we, we have the right alignment to give us the best coach, to give us the best, uh, the ability to, to make them perform. Yeah. Hey, Kareth, I've always yeah. thought, you know, you've got the funding. Say, yeah. take, take Winnie, for example, or take anybody, yeah. any, of the top, any of our top players. They've had yeah. funding all the way through, mm. and then when yeah. they retire, yeah. the funding stops, mm. and yeah. they, they do whatever they want. Yeah, but yeah. it always strikes me as though the funding should continue, and to have those people who are just newly retired, just to have them not coaching, but just have them on the mat, doing the randori with the youngsters. You know, because they know the mat work. You know, they may not be so, so polished coaches yet. Mm. But they'd give anyone a hell of a randori. Mm. And I just think uh, 
when people, when all our top players retire, so say Ashley, whenever he stops, you know, how good would he be doing Randori with a with the new sixty kilo players, you know, the teenagers, the the espoirs? So my feeling is somehow that funding should be extended to allow players who have recently retired to be employed, not for the coaching skills, just for, for the Randori skills. Mm. <coughs> you know, build that, build I, that base up. Paul, we tried that to, to a certain extent. And the problems that you've got is the political one. You've, you've got uh, Sport UK that have got their funding criteria, which is geared around medals. You know what I mean? Like they want to get medal. They don't want to get results because of their, you know, their investment. And then, mm. you know, on the other side, the flip side of it, yeah, we, we talked about that many times about existing athletes that are at the top that should come back into the system because they're the best randori yes. classes for the next generation. We, we addressed it to a mm. certain extent where, you know, uh, and, you know, we lost a great friend of ours, which was Craig. He was, mm. he was somebody that, that I definitely tried to get involved in the system. Mm. But then, you, you know what? There, there's an expectation from both sides. It's two ways. And you've got to have the, the athlete mentally has got to be stable in terms of when they're coming off that journey. And it's a great journey. You know I mean, that accolade of being at number one in your country and then representing the top 10 in the world or whatever. You have to allow that play to come down slowly. You know what I mean? Ah. There's a phase where... There's an expectation and then there's a void and there's a balancing in between that void, you know, not just getting them back on the mat. You've got to make sure that they're mentally prepared and they know where the journey is. And a lot of the time when they come off that journey, the first thing is that they're thrown into the big wide world. They've got no mm -hmm. job, but they've got no consistently um, way of making sure that they're going to be funded. And that's always been an issue. So we try to address that in terms of how do we bring them back in the system that there are bodies of that level to come back in. And it's very difficult because you've got a small funding pot. And the mm. funding pot says, we want to produce winners, and that's the ultimate goal. And forget about everything else. We don't care about the existing. You know, you're talking about you, you know, you're talking about UK sport, who are the, the funders who don't care initially about what goes on within the internal workings of the organization. Then mm. we as the internal part of the organization. We've got to unlock that. We've got to try and make sure that there's enough funding for athletes to go on these so-called um, events and so uh, and training camps and so. Then you've got to look at the second tier. You know, you've got the juniors coming through. Then you've got to say, okay, then we've got athletes that have just come back at the Olympic Games, uh, and we spoke about this many times. You know, people like winning coming up, great athlete for the next generation. You know, we're going to pay him ten thousand a year. You know, he's going to go look with ten thousand a year. That's not going to cut it for, for somebody who's got to make sure that he looks after his family yeah. and make mm. sure that he's got a, a, a living. So, and how many of them are you going to do? Are you going to do for two, three, four, five? You know, depending on how many that you see fit to come into the system. Mm -hmm. So it, it's very difficult uh, yeah. to build that in. And we, we, we tried, we, we tried with Craig, we gave him a position. We strapped around the fact that he'd be coming as a coach and so forth. And I think we tried it one or two. I mean, at the latest day, you've got Colin Oates that came off the back of the Olympic Games. He's now in the system as a coach, as a young coach coming through to gain that experience. But I just think there still needs to be a 360 review on, on what we do and how we manage that. I think that the issue that we have is that it's still fragmented 
as to Camberley, you look at Scotland, Wales, and, and what we do, it's still fragmented and it's I'd, still an individual approach. Sorry, Kerry. But I'd say as well, again, you know, you need a bit more, um, what's the word? Um, need more, multi, it's, not, it's not multicultural enough up there. You know? But where? In, in, in the system, in the GB system. You know? You mean there's not enough black coaches in the system? Yeah, black. Yeah, black. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Call, yeah. Call, call it for what it is. Call it for yeah. what it is. <laughs> it's not. There's, there's not, you know? And and there's no, I'd say, there's role models there, but there's not role models for our, our young, especially the one, you know, especially in London. London's rife. Knife crime, rare, 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 rare. There's, there's not, you know, a, a man, or oh, there's not people you can look up to. Okay, you got Ashley, sir. You got Ashley, Ashley's there. We could look at her, I want to be like Ashley, or I want to be like, you know, what we had, what I had when I was growing up. I had you guys, I had Ajala, Kerry, I had you, Denzai, and Fitz, yeah. Elvis Gordon. When I went to Wolverhampton Masters, I'm like, raw, I want to be like them, man. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That, that's yeah, what inspired I... me. When I went abroad, I saw Yanzi, I said, raw, Yanzi, yeah, oh, raw, strong. <laughs> That's how I, I said, no, nah, I want to be like them, man. You know, nowadays, who we got, who we got to look up to? Yeah, who they got to look what? up to? We, we need us another debate. And, uh... Yeah, I know, I know. But I, I know what you're saying. I know, I know, I know what you're saying, but, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to be the main voice. You're the main no, voice. Not, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But I'm just, I'm not saying you are, but I'm just saying. It's another thing. It's a, it's a, Listen, it's a good question and something that you'd have to throw at uh, Paul. I've asked that many times, yeah. and coming from the Buddha choir, I, I have to question some of the direction of um, you know the, the, the coaching and the you know what the what you've just said there, Winnie, in terms of that um, responsibility and you know the role model. You know, who, who are the next black role models in in British judo? Listen, yeah, I, can, that's a key I can give you guys a clear example of, of the gods actually, you know, the, the, the culture divide and, and how important it is to to have somebody as a speaking voice. So take for instance Viking, okay? So Viking is one yeah. of my black belts, okay? But mm -hmm. I know that I can't go and teach in China or I can't go and teach in Hong Kong and make as much of a direct impact to to all levels than more than he can. The reason mm. being he's, he speaks Chinese, he speaks English, he is Chinese. You know what I mean? To so me going over as a black guy or Brazilian coming over is not going to have the same impact. The kids aren't going to look mm. up to me as they look up to him. You know, mm. And he will be the role model. I won't be the role, role model. I'll be just the, the black guy that does jiu-jitsu as a fourth degree. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, mm. mate, he's the head of the organization, and it's great. But he will be the role model. Yeah. <laughs> he will be able to be the role model, you know? And I, I've seen it when I've been over there and we've done seminars and stuff like that. And I've just seen how, how the different dynamic is, you know? And how, how, they, how they respond to him, very, very different than how they respond to me. You know, mm. still, don't get me wrong, still respect and everything like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's very different. And it's important to, <laughs> to, to, have, that, to have that dynamic, you know? You, you know what we do we, 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 we i'll let you come out i'm just saying we, we do have role models within you know say the coaching infrastructure you look somewhere like Fitzroy, which is underrated you know what i mean from day one you know what i mean one of the best coaches that uh that gb have and, and you know he's been kind of frowned upon you know we have that infrastructure you know what i mean but mm -hmm. the powers to be and and the way we and probably probably are you know just as much our fault is that 
it's not projected and that's something that's another issue you know because if we don't address it um you know paul you you're you're still what i call cutting edge you're right in the heart of it in in terms of uh, especially in london yeah it's a massive problem when you look at the next generation coming through next generation of athletes next generation of coaches it's going to become a dying art sorry viking i'll, I'll let you go jump back in no worries no i'm just saying <coughs> from because as you said i i am exposed to like all two or three cultures at the same time like sort of in the thick of it uh, i do think it's really important that people if they need someone to look up to to aspire to that they can relate to them so that's why the multicultural aspect is really important they they have to look at someone where they think I can be that guy, you know, no matter if the skin color or, or a social status or whatnot. But let's say we, we have the same problem in China or Hong Kong, but I would say, you know, for, from experience, maybe Jude can, can attest to that as well. We've been to like the, the Budokan in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. We visited that, the giant, you know, the, the judo headquarters. And, mm -hmm. and one thing that I know consistently through the Asian culture is that, they, they do glorify their athletes almost as if they're celebrities. You know, um, I haven't really seen it that much except you know, in, in London, except for after the Olympics of uh, that, the, the two runners, I uh, forgot their name. There was a girl and there was a guy. The guy was Mo. Mo yeah, Farah. Um, Mo. And then there was a, a, a woman runner but i forgot her name Thank so those were the <laughs> those were the two that i saw okay there are sponsors picking them up they're mm. oh, plastered over the the walls and stuff but in japan they're you know they're, they are celebrities um these companies they would invest money to to invest in, in advertising you know they they're they're the brand ambassadors and it's it's such a, a cultural thing because I don't think a lot of these companies in, in our own perspective, uh, perspective uh, society would invest the money in an athlete rather than a celebrity. Mm. And that's a, a sort of a sad problem to have because really kids should be looking up at, you know, athletes or yeah. someone with a positive background or something to give. But yeah, that's my my two cents on it. That's 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 it is a problem. Our, our over you know uh, in over here in the West, our over um, indulgence in in celebrity rather than actually mm. be, you know athletes being being role models. You know, it's it's something that's a that's a it's a killer for for sport. It's a killer for you know as a as a father bringing up kids. You know, because you know you want to steer them away from the Kardashians and stuff like that, and mm. have more you know real role models to be like you know more people like Winston, you know what I mean, has been to the Olympics, has worked really hard. And so it's, it's trying to get kids to, to understand that, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a father, you know, like I'm here, you know, you know, you guys run me through a seven year old, you know, who can walk in to do judo, you know, what would they do? What would they need to do mm -hmm. as a parent? You know, what would they need to do? You know, because I think like, you know, apart from a parent seeking out nowadays kind of like going out to find certain things i have to have the interest you know to to get my kid to go and do judo it doesn't kind of i think it doesn't kind of come to you as before mm. like my kids you know they, they're in their teens and one's like you know seven and they don't have judo in school mm. 
they don't have that sort of stuff in school. I used to have like you know judo and basketball in school, so you, it was in your you know it was in your front of mind the whole time about sports and stuff like that. And I think it's very 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 different now. Very much harder for kids now to kind of break into that world or or even to what do you call it the um, Kerif has yeah. come up with him. Yeah, trying yeah, to get yeah. back it's, on. It's getting, it's getting back on. It's getting back yeah. on. So yeah. Yeah, but <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it, it's more promotion. There's, I don't, I don't know. Paul maybe know more about that. I don't know. There's not enough promotion in mm. schools in the, the London schools. You know, for mm. British judo. You know, targeting these schools. Okay, taste the sessions. They're red. From when I was there. It was, I had to do, I was teaching, but I was teaching in different, doing my private thing, but it was, you know, I had to do my own promotion kind of thing, you know? Mm. So there's not, I, I don't think there's a, not enough promotional wise to all schools in, in Great Britain or all schools in London, yeah. you know, target all schools, you know, posters, rare, rare, you know, do this martial art or, even do you know BJJ? You know, there's there's none of that. I can't. Yeah. I, I don't see. I I don't hear anything like that. You know, yeah. I'm I'm my I got a daughter and she's um, her younger step well, stepsister and her stepbrother are doing judo. Mm -hmm. But my daughter don't want to do judo because <laughs> my yeah. dad does judo. So like, <laughs> she don't want to do it. You know what I mean? But you know, but and that's like in Kent somewhere. But yeah. You know, in London, why is Paul, Paul maybe, you know, would know better, but there's yeah, nothing think, really... Yeah. Judo in schools in London, it, it's, it's not awful. In, in our sector, obviously, the private sector, you've got Larry doing Westminster, Sydney yeah. doing St. Paul's, this and that. So there's, there's, little, there's little sectors which aren't doing, you know, too bad. Mm. But I do think, generally, with judo... Um, we we should and we could learn a lot from BJJ in terms of, of, of marketing. Mm, yeah, How we yeah, sell yeah. ourselves. We sell ourselves too cheaply. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I just think you know, almost if you make money from judo, it's like a dirty you know, it's a dirty word, isn't it? Sometimes for some people, you've got mm. these valiant volunteers who do a great job. But the problem is, I think um, you do a great job as a volunteer. You don't have much succession planning because you know the younger people coming up would need to cover their expenses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. So I think with judo, you in this country, you've got a band of um, people who are very well-meaning, doing great jobs, and uh, volunteering in clubs and or paying two pounds for a session, this and that. Um, but the problem is succession. You know, these when these guys get older and stop doing it. Um, you know, they won't find the people with the same commitment to do it for free or for very low cost. Yeah. Where in BJJ, I th my sense is, you know, if you've got an academy and you bring people on, you can actually go and start your own academy and make a reasonable living from it. So I think um, when you guys were pointing on, uh, pointing to the fact earlier that when people finish doing, you know, finish their career in judo, they just leave judo. The, the career succession mainly for jiu-jitsu, especially in the past, was that as soon as you know you got your black belt, you competed and stuff like that, then you want you went either open up an academy or for MMA. But all those all those um, streams, they always continue to kind of bring back people within the sport, so bring them back mm. into the sport mm. the whole time. Mm. So they act as kind of like magnets the whole time. So if I decided I'd leave, you know, I'd, I'd where I was training. 
you know, I'd go and decide to do MMA, but I will still be doing jiu-jitsu there. Mm. You know, oh, I'll still be going wrestling, da, 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 but I'll still be doing jiu-jitsu there. And then, you know, when I went to fight, all the guys from the academy would come and support me and stuff like that. And then, you know, it's giving, uh, you know, your blue belts, your white belts, etc., an example of like how to, and it just kept, keep rolling that way, you know. Roller coaster. Kept rolling that way. Mm. Yeah. So you, know what, you know what's funny? You know what's funny, Jude? So, uh -huh. uh, when I was chairman, we, we tried to do a deal with jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu is the new judo. And he tried to tell everybody that, but, mm. you know, I, I was wrong and everybody else was right. I'm not so sure now. <laughs> um, and and I, I tried to set up, I mean, along with Ray, and, mm. and I, I forgot with uh, going through that jiu-jitsu because of the exit strategy that a lot of people on the curve, once they come out of judo, don't want to be thrown, especially at the age of... Uh, I was 30, didn't I? I ideally go into jiu-jitsu, made that kind of perfect fit for mm -hmm. judo in terms of its exit strategy. And uh, we, we tried to do that because of the commercial viability of what BJJ were doing. But again, you know, there's always a pushback in terms of change. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people don't like change and they feel that mm. they're, you know, want to stick to the old format. And, and I keep saying to people, you've got to evolve. If you do not evolve, you start to go down into the bottom of the pile. Mm -hmm. And that's what currently you can see what's happening. You know, you look at MMA, BJJ, you know, you know, even wrestling's making a surcharge coming back. You yeah. mean Sambo are making their move. And and, yeah. and if you don't change with the modern times, then you only have yourself to blame. And yeah. and you know, we've had an opportunity where we could have changed. And even when you look at the commercial viability of uh, recreational judo that's done through the private sector. You know, their job is to make money. You know what I mean? Their job is not to provide the next Olympian. Their job is survival and making sure that they make a living out of it. We tried that. Destination Judo was adopted in, in order to provide that gap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, subsequently, I don't know what this, what, when I went before I left, um, you know, it was kind of thriving in terms of where the numbers were. So I don't know where it is. I have no uh, insight in terms of the internal workings to date. But, you know, we did try to address that. Uh, recreational that would bring them on but you know you go back to the same problem you can only select you know that recreational judo will always sit there as a commercial mm -hmm. viability but then the heart of, of the sport you've got to address that which is separate yeah yeah well guys man we hit just <laughs> well it'll continue, <laughs> continue to talk for hours man but we've hit almost like a, over an hour and stuff of like that man um so what we usually do is like we usually you know give the the the, the main guest <laughs> like a one minute just to give you know some sort of motivational speech or something man um, just to keep people happy and motivated in this uh, in these times. But we had three guests, <laughs> so so I don't know. Flip a coin, man. Um, so yeah, Winnie, man. Just anything top of your head to start with winning. Let's go, buddy. Um, I just like to say to everybody out there, <clears throat> just keep it, keep it simple. Just keep it moving. Uh, keep your try to keep your spirits high. Try to keep the close connection with the right people, who you've, if it's friends, family, um, you know, consistently trying to talk talk with people. If you have problems, you know, obviously, people are talking about this mental health 
thing, you know. So it's sometimes people, you know, everybody knows we're we're home. Some of some of us are home alone and whatnot. But just reach out. There's there's nothing better than reaching out to people, and um, I think, you know, just keep keep yourself healthy. Try to keep yourself fit, healthy, and just try and stay blessed. And that's to each and every one of you. And no matter what religion you are, it's always good to go down and just have a little prayer, you know, now and again, or maybe now and again, every night, you know, to wake up, to wake up, you know, nice and fit and healthy, you know. So, um, yeah, just, um, I'd say that really, just keep it, keep it sweet, keep it healthy and try and stay safe, everybody, you know. Mm. This is going to be, hopefully, now we started to hit the next stage and um, hopefully we'll just get better and better from this day forward. But everybody, God bless. Cool, man. Paul, any words? Um, yeah, well, obviously we've got this COVID-19. I hope you will get through this um, successfully. Um, and I would say that the guys out there with regards to marketing, you know, push judo. Um, you know, don't undersell us. If you think about it, you know, we've got dynamic standing work, dynamic transitions. I think the IGF are doing a great job. Judo as a product um, is up there, you know, as a product, is what it offers to people. But if we keep underselling ourselves, you know, we won't sell the product, you know. So I just think keep positive um, and hopefully when COV... 19 is over and done we can get back on track with that, with that message nice man nice kerry can't even see you but hey it's all good it's been for real man it's simple for me man keep it real you know we've got real situations to deal with and uh, you know at the end of the day we're all in the same situation we're all in the same boat so uh, you know the more we talk to each other and that's a good starting point for us to kind of come back as a community and come back stronger than ever before. So keep it real. Yeah, nice, man. Nice. Mm. Listen, guys, thank you very, very, very much, man. I couldn't actually ask for anything more, man. That has uh, been brilliant, man. It's been actually awesome, mate. <laughs> it's good to see you. Actually, Paul, it's, Paul, it's really good to see you, know. We should touch base, man. Touch yeah, base but definitely. And, uh, uh, maybe, in a, maybe need, in a nice restaurant somewhere. Winnie, you need to, Winnie, you need to set up a, Winnie, you need to set up a group, man, so we can uh, dissect. Okay. Uh, uh, hey, for, for me, for uh, to Jude and uh, Viking, it's the first time I've come onto this thing. I, I've, I've avoided Zoom. I've avoided it until now. Yeah, you know, it's so brilliant. Now, now I've, I've felt it. I've seen it. You know, now I can. You know, I'm going to push it, you know? <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Well, I'm going to plan a part two. We're going to plan mm. a part two. Guys, oh, listen, take care, man. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Take care, everyone. Take care. God bless. Carry on. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.